Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call and visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. To find out more, visit lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. He's also written several books, mainly on past presidents. We'll be talking about current global affairs. We'll visit with Larry Reed, the uh, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. I have a little refresher on the principles of freedom. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of novels, his latest, Shake the Money Tree, we'll visit with Jim as well. Right there in Washington, D.C., we maybe get a little feedback of what happened over the weekend. It is November the 16th, and on this day in 1849, a Russian court sentenced Fyodor Dostoevsky to death for his alleged anti-government activities linked to a radical intellectual group. His execution was stayed at the last moment. He began participating in a radical intellectual discussion uh, a circle. The group was suspected of subversive activities, which led to his arrest in 1849, and he was sentenced to death. On December the 22nd, 1849, he was led before the firing squad, but received a last-minute reprieve and was sent to a Siberian work camp where he worked for four years. He was released in 1854 and worked as a soldier on the Mongolian frontier. He married a widow and finally returned to Russia in 1859. The following year, he was founded a magazine, and two years after that, he journeyed to Europe for the first time. In 1864 and 65, his wife and brother died. The magazine folded, and he found himself deeply in debt, which, of course, was exacerbated by a gambling problem. In 1866, he published Crime and Punishment, uh, arguably one of the greatest novels ever written. That's just an unbelievable work, uh, novel about the workings, inner workings of a mind. Uh, after committing a crime, one of his most popular works. In 1867, he married a stenographer, and then the couple fled to Europe to escape his creditors. His novel, The Possessed, was successful, and the couple returned to St. Petersburg. He published Brothers Karamazov in 1880 to immediate success, but died a year later. Interesting life of Dostoevsky. You know, you participate in stuff we don't like, and we're going to put you in front of a firing squad. That's how they did it back in the day. Well, the Florida Department of Health on Saturday reported 107 new cases in Cuyahoga County and 102 uh, new cases on Sunday and no additional deaths. The seven-day moving average of cases is up to 84. It was down as low as 34. It's been as high as 221. The new wave of COVID-19 spreading around the world, 177,000 cases in the U.S. on Friday, 13,000 de- or 1,300 deaths and 6,700 hospitalized uh, in the United States. So we will be talking about that with Mark Schulman in just a few moments. A federal judge has tossed out most of the claims made in a lawsuit brought by a business owner, of course, here in Collier County, and that would be, of course, Alfie Oaks, the owner of Seed to Table. In a ruling this week, District Judge had dismissed 11 of the 14 claims in the suit uh, and, of course, uh, Alfie Oaks, the outspoken and controversial owner of Seed to Table, a popular North Naples grocery store and eatery. 
The order came after the county filed a motion to dismiss Oaks' amended lawsuit outright. Well, uh, his famous quote, of course, in front of the uh, Collier County Commission, I'll wear handcuffs before I wear a mask. I can guarantee you that, he told the commissioners. Now, Justice Alito, Supreme Court's Associate Justice, released uh, recently weighed in on the encroachment of elected officials on individual rights. His comments focus mainly on religious liberty, but I think he might say Alfie Oaks has a point. I believe he does. President Trump uh, said, uh, said it's heartwarming to see all the tremendous support he'd been receiving. On Friday, the president took to Twitter to express his graf- gratefulness, as well as it mentioned the million uh, Make America Great Again march that kicked off uh, yesterday, I should say on Saturday. Thousands of President Trump's most ardent fans descended on the nation's capital Saturday afternoon for what organizers called the Million MAGA March, a historic show of support for President Trump. The president made a surprise visit to the march, driving through the sea of supporters and waving from a window of his vehicle. It was pretty cool. That's just unbelievable support. Of course, I think what he's demonstrating is how he's winning and holding up his own in the court of public opinion. Uh, even though the mainstream media is pressuring him to uh, concede the election. Well, we'll talk more about that in a moment. It uh, took a, The event took a violent turn later in the evening as people be- began to disperse and go out to dinner. Uh, unbelievable guys. <laughs> uh, assaulted Black Lives Matter shirt, assault, targeted a black woman and her daughter who attended the march. Uh, it was, uh, somebody got hit in the back of the head, all kinds of stuff. Senator Joseph Hawley highlighted a video on Twitter of extremists attacking people who are eating dinner, writing, where is Joe Biden, Mr. Unity, and when is he going to condemn this violence? Political commentator Damien Losha highlighted that video on Twitter that showed a Trump supporter being attacked sarcastically, writing, I'm sure Biden will denounce this when all the press ask him about it. Of course, they won't. Tweet uh, from Trump, he says, we, uh, he won only in the eyes of, uh, and he's talking about Biden, he won only in the eyes of the fake news media. I concede nothing. We have a long way to go. This was a rigged election. Now, how can he say well, that? Well, a couple of nights ago, Lou Dobbs, uh, President Trump's uh, uh, Flynn, uh, Michael Flynn lawyer, Sidney Powell, suggested there was massive fraud in the presidential election, vote tabulations. Here's a quote from Sidney Powell yesterday. They can watch the voting real time. They can run a computer algorithm on it as needed to either flip votes, take votes out, or alter votes to make a candidate win. It's a massive criminal voter fraud writ large across at least 29 states. It's obvious the algorithm and the statistics that our experts are tracking out are batches of votes. And when the votes changed, it's going to blow the mind of everybody in this country when we get all this out together and can explain it with the affidavits and experts that have come forward, she said. Uh, she said it, she was about to release the Kraken. Lynn Wood, the other most prominent uh, Trump election counsel, suggested much of the same, an explosion of evidence establishing the president's vote tabulations were manipulated. There was a bizarre switch on election eve as vote counting suddenly and oddly was halted in several key states. The tallies, which were shown that a substantial victory was in the offing for the president, suddenly and statistic, statistically impossibly ran up huge numbers for Biden and away from Trump. 
Attorney Sidney Powell on Sunday Morning Future said Trump's legal team is gathering evidence of election fraud that alleged took place in the election-related software like Dominion Voting Systems and Smartmatic. As it currently stands, Dominion is being utilized in 2,000 jurisdictions in 30 states. Texas decided not to use the Dominion on three separate occasions because of fraud concerns. On top of that, former Admiral Peter Neffinger is the chairman of the board of directors of Smartmatic. He's also the vice president of Joe Biden's transition team. He's on the team, which calls into question his impartiality, which doesn't pass the smell test. According to Powell, the Trump campaign had enough evidence to launch a serious criminal investigation. We're fixing to overturn the election results in multiple states, and President Trump won not by just hundreds of thousands of votes, but by millions of votes, and they were shifted by this software that was designed expressly for that purpose, she explained. We have sworn witness testimony about why the software was designed. It was designed to rig elections, she said. That's some claim, and she's got the evidence to prove it. Uh, I just, uh, I just hope. Of course, it's it's just not up to her. She's got to get the courts to support this effort, and hopefully, we'll find uh, courts that do support at least reviewing the the uh, information she has and the evidence that she has. According to Powell, the witness the Trump team has has is someone who has seen elections rigged in other countries. Those same tactics and software was allegedly deployed in the United States. They did it on purpose. It was calculated. They'd done it before, she said. We have evidence of 2016 in California. We have so much evidence, it feels like it's coming in through a fire hose, she said. Host uh, Maria Bartiromo pushed back, saying the election must be certified in a few weeks. She wanted to know if there was enough time for Powell and the team to produce evidence for the alleged wrongdoing. First of all, I never say anything I can't prove. Secondly, the evidence is coming in so fast, I can't even process it, she said. Millions of Americans have written by now. I would say definitely hundreds of thousands have stepped forward with different experiences of voter fraud, but this is a massive election fraud, and it's very, I'm very concerned. It not only involves Dominion and its Smartmatic software, but the software was essentially used by other election machines also, she said. So you can see this is a massive, massive story here. It's so big, I just wonder if, in fact, a court will have the courage uh, to uh, step up and review all the evidence and make the right decisions about this. If she's right, and I suspect she is, uh, she said it's absolutely brazen how people brought this system and why the, they bought it in, brought it in. Uh, she said whistleblowers came forward after uh, over alleged paybacks. She said in states where the new election technology was purchased and implemented, there's actually uh, kickbacks, she, she's alleged. This is just unbelievable. And by the way, other uh, Democrats have complained about the software as well. They said it was uh, corrupt. Talking about the guy in Portland, uh, Denang Dick. Remember Dick? Uh, I forgot his last name. Anyhow, don't have it right here in front of me. The point being is that the, corrup the corruption is just rampant. And uh, I think in the last analysis, the president is going to win this election. In spite of the fact that the mainstream media is pretty unhappy with him. It's taking too much time. Turn it over to Biden. Let him be president. Never mind all the time and effort you spent, the billions and millions of dollars that have been invested in this campaign. Unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. 
lifeinnaples.net is the website. Coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And now we'll be building a brand-new performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is an author. He's written several books, mainly on past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Hey, I understand we have some breaking news. Absolutely. Moderna, which is a pharmaceutical company that specializes in, in um, genetic, special genetic pharmaceuticals, announced the results from its uh, new vaccine against COVID-19. The preliminary results are... 94.5% effective, Wow! which is an enormous number for a vaccine is considered effective if it will be 60 or 70%. So this is 94.5%. It included elderly people. It included people of all races. Um, and um, the, also the good news about this, as opposed to the Pfizer drug, this one does not require um, incredibly cold refrigeration for transport before usage. 
Interesting. Which means the distribution will be much simpler, to say the least. Um, They're hoping to have 20 million uh, doses by the end of the year and a billion next year. That is fantastic uh, news. So uh, explain to us, uh, help clarify the uh, 94.5% number. Does that mean that, that, uh, what what does it mean, frankly? Okay, so let me explain. I mean, part of this is it's hard for us to understand. I mean, because the way they come to this is they they had 30,000 volunteers to get the vaccine. And then they wait to see who gets, oh, excuse me, 30,000 people, 15,000 got the vaccine, and 15,000 got a placebo. Mm-hmm. In other words, not, not, the, not the vaccine. Right. And then they wait to see uh, how many people get COVID-19 amongst the people. And what this meant was that um, I think the cohort, I mean, I have that press release right in front of me, um, it means that... Um, Okay, so they had um, this in the phase three study. Um, vaccine, 94.5%. Okay, so the 95 COVID cases, including 15 older older adults, ages 65 and us, 20%, 20 participants of diverse communities, Latin, Black, African, American, Asian, etc. Um, so of all the people... Um, only two. The way it works is only two who had the um, who had the um, vaccine yeah. versus uh, sixty who didn't have the vaccine or some some number like that um, got COVID. Okay. So in other words, it, it's overwhelmingly the number of people who got the COVID were the people without the vaccine. Well, this is just and, outstanding news. So, uh, and you say twenty million doses will be available by the end of the year. Uh, that's right. great news. So that those will no doubt no doubt go to healthcare workers first and first responders, and then I guess um, the most you know people with pre-existing conditions or whatever else. Yeah, people like um, you and I. Right. So so it won't end this. In other words, we have some really really difficult months ahead. On the other hand, it should give everybody an incentive basically to do nothing until you get vaccinated. In other words, if this is going to go on forever. Then, or for a long, long time, then you can make all sorts of excuses. We can't stop living, all those sort of things. All understandable. But if we know there's an end in sight, then not that far off. In other words, probably most Americans, somewhere by March or April, will be able to be vaccinated. I mean, I can't be sure, obviously, but somewhere in that vicinity, most Americans will be able to get vaccinated. And of course, once most people get vaccinated, then the disease dies because there's no one, no way to transmit. Yeah, so the, uh, we had, I think it was uh, in the United States, 177,000 cases on Friday, 1,300 deaths and 67,000 hospitalized. The numbers are going up in the United States and around the world. Uh, but is, uh, do we have any feedback that, in fact, that it's uh, more uh, hazardous or more dangerous than, than the first wave that we saw? No, it, it actually seems slightly less dangerous, although it's hard to really know that. I think... The reason is the healthcare workers are better able to handle it. They know what what to do and what not to do, and they do have a few treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the reality is, just look, people need, look. People in Europe stop stop taking the right um, the right um, precautions, and it went way up. Now Europe has now bent the curve back down again. They've put in restrictions all over Europe, and we're now seeing the beginning of a, a decrease in in Europe. The United States, the curve is going straight up. I mean, 
this is a terrible situation in the United States right now. Yeah. Um, so I mean, the, and, there's a. How about uh, what's happening? Let's see. In Brazil, I think is the is the country where there's a huge outbreak as well in South America. Brazil, India also is very bad at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, everywhere is but. Um, East Asia is in really bad shape. East Asia is in good shape. And again, we've, still, we've discussed this a few times. Australia, New Zealand, of course, Cambodia, Vietnam, um, of course, China, Taiwan, South Korea, North Korea, we assume, we don't really know, and Japan are all doing much, much better than the rest of the world. Um, part of it is the culture, no doubt. Um, part of it is effective governments in most of those cases, although in a few of those cases, there isn't really that effective government. Yeah. And um, taking the right actions. Look, um, you know, unfortunately, it's going to be there'll probably be another hundred and fifty thousand deaths in the United States before before this ends. Maybe a hundred thousand, some some very terrible number. I'm mm -hmm. afraid, mm -hmm. because the vaccine only stops you from getting it; it doesn't cure you when you have it. And so keep that keep yeah. that in mind. We just have to get through this period until we get vaccinated, or until enough people get vaccinated, because all it requires is you know. 60, I mean, people should not be a free rider. That's a whole other story. We can discuss the morality of being a free rider, but the reality is that once 70 to 80% of the population is vaccinated, the disease will die. Now, so uh, also the uh, flu numbers are down here in the United States. It, just, it makes me wonder if perhaps they aren't being combined somehow. No, actually, there's, in, in Israel, there's been zero cases of the flu. Really? Uh, yes, and I think the reason we have so few flu cases this year is twofold. Um, one, um, because people are traveling so much less in terms of international travel, why Israel doesn't have any because it's not importing. They're very, there's very, I mean, there's, there's still flights in and out of the country, but mm -hmm. it's you know 10 percent, 5 percent what it was in normal times, and people coming into the country have to go into quarantine for 14 days. So even if they were to have the flu, they wouldn't give it to anybody because yeah. we're assume, you assume everyone has COVID. So if you assume everyone has COVID, then you know because you assume everyone has the flu. Plus, all the things we're doing to limit social interaction and wearing masks um, stop the transmission of the flu the same way it, trans it, it stops yeah. the transmission of COVID. So help me understand. So for instance, here, I want to be able mm -hmm. to move on to some other topics because we have a lot to talk about today, Mark. But, but one other question I do have is now we have two companies, Pfizer and uh, Moderna, that have come out with uh, vaccines. Uh, is this a competitive situation? How, how are they going to be distributed? It's a competitive situation. I guess it's going to be a choice. I guess they may compete on money. They may compete geographically. I mean, on production, but, you know, the other question is production. Again, mm -hmm. everyone wants the, the, the vaccine as quickly as possible. And Moderna, I think, is working together with McKesson or somebody because they're a relatively new biotech company. They were only formed in 2010. Huh. They're not one of the old line pharmaceuticals. So interesting. Um, so the other question will be, you know, who can produce the most and make it available? But Moderna has this huge advantage in distribution. The fact that the Pfizer drug has to be cooled to super cool temperatures in order to maintain its veracity, and the Moderna drug does not. That's great. And that's going to make it a lot easier to distribute, obviously. And I would suspect we're going to see more coming out of the pipeline soon from other companies, because I know there's several. Right, well, there are 132 companies in the world that are competing to come out with the drug. Now, let me put one word of caution uh -huh. that I think is very important for everyone to understand is we have no idea how long these, these uh, vaccines provide protection. Yeah. Vaccines, traditionally, of all sorts of vaccines that exist, have provided protection anything from a year to a lifetime. Uh -huh. And we will only know this over a period of time, because obviously we couldn't tell now 
in our phase three trial, we can't tell how long the uh, we know that right now it provided protection. Will it provide protection in three months, six months, a year? We don't know. But again, keep in mind the fact that even if it's only for a year, if everybody gets vaccinated and or a very high percentage of people get vaccinated, the virus itself will die. Yeah, because it will not have hosts to go to. By the way, I want to remind our listeners that uh, Mark is in Tel Aviv right now, so uh, in lockdown in Tel Aviv. We haven't talked about what's happening there, but Mark, I need to take a little commercial break. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and it's a win-win for everyone. You can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed, the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now, we continue the conversation about global affairs with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of the multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So, uh, Armenia, Azerbaijan, what's going on? So, they've come to a peace agreement. I mean, this is an actual peace agreement that's going to require... The area in dispute has been legally part of Azerbaijan, Mm -hmm. but it's been settled by Armenians, and an Armenian resistance movement are the ones that have been... um, had taken physical control. So what happened here is Azerbaijan tried to reassert its control, and basically it had the upper hand in the war, and as a result, Armenia agreed to withdraw and withdraw from that area and let the Azerbaijani army there. And meanwhile, you have you have native Armenians who are concerned and are leaving. Uh, the Armenians are primarily Christians, Azerbaijanis are Muslims, although the, it's a very secular Muslim country. In other words, it's not a religious you know it's not a religious Muslim country. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, so a lot of the Armenians are burning their homes before they leave them because they don't want to leave them to the Azerbaijanis. So you have, you know, this ethnic hatred that that reappeared in Europe. You know, we go back to to you, the, the breakup of Yugoslavia. If your yeah, yeah. if your listeners remember, how you had Slavs and and Bosnians who lived in peace for generations, and suddenly they were killing each other. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, 
So you know, there's something there's something in the UN in the U, human DNA that's really problematic. That whoever the other is, and it doesn't make a difference who the other is, but the other is somehow turns into our enemy. Yeah, that's uh, part and, part of the part of maturity or the. Uh, Civilization, civilizing process of raising kids is helping people understand and having a respect uh, for the other. And it's uh, unfortunately right. some people are just raised to hate the other. That's how you know how it happens. So. No, it really is. I mean, I see this, and I have a dog, and I take him to a dog park. The dog that's outside the dog park is the enemy. The minute he comes into the dog park, he's friends. You know, that's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, you know, there's been problems in Ethiopia. Uh, apparently, right. So Ethiopia. Ethiopia, it's, it's, it's this country that's had these problems for so long when there was the breakaway Eritrea region and there was a war with the Eritreans and finally Eritrea became free. Now you have another region in the country that felt that they were being ethnically um, discriminated against and it's turned into an open rebellion and the open rebellion is turning into a civil war. It's uh, it's a sad place. and uh, you know It looked like Ethiopia and Eritrea were both on the way for economic development and go back to what we just said right now. Yeah. The other got in the way again. You yeah. know, the other tribe, the other. It's it's an amazing thing how much the other um, gets in the way. Well, and, and, and it's, it's know, it also reflects on the lack of rule of law. I mean, and, uh, you know, where people are being held accountable for the law. I'm not even sure they have these laws uh, that would prevent they, something like this. They do this. on the books. But, you know, look, what's always been the great success of the United States and um, then you know, we've had the intermittent failures, is the fact that people in the United States believed in something greater than their individual selves. They believed in the ideas behind America of liberty and right. uh, democracy and all of those things. And right. they all pledged themselves as Americans regardless of what their ethnic backgrounds were or countries of origin and all those things. We had hiccups along the way because it wasn't clear from from all along whether what came first our allegiance as from to a state or to the nation you know when you look at the civil war uh general lee said he was first a virginian right that's why he went to fight for the confederacy even though he was a union or you know he was a united states army officer he was a virginian first um that has slowly faded mostly over time as we've become a much more mobile society and I'm not sure what percentage of people in any given state were born there and grew up there, but it's much lower today, obviously, than it was 100 years yeah, ago. You know, I would say probably in 1850, if you asked anybody where their, uh, what their origin might be, I don't think they would say the USA. I think they probably would have referred to their states. It really was the Civil War that uh, changed us into a United States of America, in a sense. I mean, in right. people well, thinking look, that way. It was a, look, it was a... Um it was a process. We went from confederation; it didn't work. Yeah. The United States, the Constitution, that tried to pull it together, but there were issues, and there were state issues. And look, we still have those issues. You know, the it's both the beauty of the American democracy, but it's also one of the challenges. Yeah. Is the fact that it was fifty individual states. So, for instance, in COVID, it's a challenge because fifty different states, fifty different policies, um, and no clear national policy. Which we'll leave that aside for the moment. But the fact that everyone can have their own policy is is a problem, and the fact that you know every state and every city and every town and every whatever has their own police forces is both the beauty of America and one of the com com complicating factors. Yeah, yeah. At the same time. So listen, uh, um, I, I want to have that conversation. There. I could easily just <laughs> run off with that with these comments, but uh, something important happened, and I'd like to get your comment on it.
The Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, or the RCEP, with eight countries, I believe it is, including China, Australia, 16, and others. Sixteen, actually. Sixteen? It's sixteen countries. I have a list here somewhere. But the reality is, look, we walked away from TPP. That's what uh, the um, Biden administration had uh, negotiated, um, and we walked away from that. Mm-hmm. And TPP was supposed to be this, except with the United States at the center. The new one includes uh, Australia, New Zealand, Brunei, Laos, Vietnam, China, Cambodia, Myanmar, Japan, Korea, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, Philippines, and Indonesia. Basically, economic, not quite a union, but a free trade zone between all of them. We had created the the similar thing without China to be a counterbalance to China, Mm -hmm. but we walked away from it. Mm -hmm. And so now they've gotten together without us. And it's the largest trade union in the history of the world, basically, in terms of GDP, GNP and GDP that are reflected yeah, I think there. it's a third of the global economy, if I'm not mistaken. So, right. so uh, my question is, how is uh, how China has been a threat to the United States and identified because of the a theft of uh, intellectual property and so on? How, how is this going to work out for the other 15 countries uh, with, with Very uh, well for them. They'll work out fine. They're going to increase the trade between them. You know, we all know trade is good, generally speaking. I mean, mm-hmm. there are always issues, and we can just we discuss all, you know, and if any moment the inequities and problems sometimes in trade. But generally speaking, it'll increase trade between those countries, decrease flick, fric, friction between their trading partners, mm-hmm. and as a result, increase the economic growth of all of them. Mm-hmm. So it's all good. It's good for all of them. It's bad for everyone else in the world who's not part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the reality, you know. Um, the United States, you know, can't go alone, or it shouldn't. It's it's not economically in America's advantage to go alone. Let's put it that way. Well, we seem to think somehow that that we alone are stronger than everybody else put together, and it's just not the case. Hey, before I let and you China, go, China with all those Asian countries is a much bigger economy than we are. Yeah. So before I let you go, though, I mean, because I'm not going to have another place to, in the show to talk about this, I think it's pretty significant that SpaceX had this launch uh, this weekend successfully sending. Uh, more uh, astronauts in, up to the space station. A- any comments on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, SpaceX is one of the wonderful things that have happened in the last ten years. Yeah. Um, Elon, Elon Musk is one of my is is, is one of the few people I'm really um, jealous of. His ability to do what he does and transform the world, both in terms of space and in terms of cars, is a remarkable achievement. SpaceX is a remarkable achievement. It combines the best of of private enterprise and government together, working together. Um, I think, um, you know, it's put America back in, into space. It's yep. made America competitive again. Uh, we went through 25 years of, of under, under, underfunding NASA, no clear mission, um, and we've resulted in, in a wasted 25, 30 years. You know, let me put it this way. As a kid growing up and watching those first Mercury launches and everything else, I would never have thought that at my age today, uh, we have done almost nothing since yeah. landing on the moon. I couldn't agree, but why see we we see eye to eye on all of this, Mark. So, yeah, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, Bob. You as well. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit uh, with Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Haute Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to do a little shout out to uh, Lula B's Diner right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center. They often have a takeout for breakfast and lunch using Uber Eats. They have great breakfast and lunch and they support St. Matthew's House and do a great job there too. So again, Lula B's Diner at uh, the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now, we have with us Larry Reed. Uh, Larry is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. It's always a pleasure. My pleasure indeed. Our pleasure. Uh, Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We're an educational organization. Our focus is on high school and college students. We attempt to inspire and educate them in ideas of individual liberty, Uh, small representative government, free markets, private property, and personal character. And your listeners can learn more about us at our website, which is feefee.org. Fee.org. And I I do want to say, if you have a young person in your life, grandchild, a child, at those ages, college or high school, I can't emphasize more how important it would be to introduce them to the Foundation for Economic Education. These are ideas that are ignored in government schools and, uh, quite frankly, just will really contribute to the health and well-being of any child at those ages. So, Larry, uh, you wrote a great column, and a timely column. It's called A Refresher in the Principles of Freedom. Maybe you can tell us about it. Okay. Freedom is something, Bob, that uh, everybody says that they're for, but when you uh, dig a little deeper, you discover that a lot of people may not have a very good understanding of what it is. Mm-hmm. And so the purpose of this column was to try to remind people that 
uh, you know, here are some important principles of it so that uh, we're all on the same page, so that we know what it is uh, we're referring to. And uh, the first of eight principles that I cite in this article is that freedom is your birthright. Mm -hmm. It isn't something that uh, you you have to wait until politicians decide that they want to give it to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have it as a matter of right upon birth, and until and unless uh, you forfeit it, by doing some harm to the rights of other people. Mm-hmm. So it, it's something that uh, you're given by uh, the Creator, and it springs from the fact that you are a unique person, and you cannot be the person you were intended to be if you don't have the freedom to make uh, the choices uh, that govern your life. Right, and it also underscores the importance of being a universal birthright. You know, it's not something that's just because we're here in the United States. It's for basically, we created government that that right existed before the government was created. That's right. The, the purpose of government is primarily to protect those rights. It doesn't grant them in the first place. You mm-hmm. already have them. Right. We create government as uh, a mechanism to help us protect uh, the freedoms that we automatically have at our birth. Right. And then freedom doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. That's an important point. Yeah, uh, it's amazing these days how many people... <clears throat> use the term freedom when they're talking about staking a claim on what belongs to other people. Uh, they think uh, they can't really be free unless they're collecting something uh, that is forcibly extracted by the tax mechanism from another person. But as I point out in this article, your freedom to swing your fist ends where my nose begins. Mm-hmm. And you have no right to enslave another person or to confiscate his property if he's uh, innocent of any wrongdoing. Uh, simply because you want it. That's not freedom, that's uh, theft. Right. And in fact, uh, just all of our freedoms uh, are have are actually abundant. In other words, it never requires extracting something from somebody else in order to exercise that right. Yeah, that's right. It's basically <clears throat> your right to be left alone in peace, uh, to uh, make your decisions, accumulate uh, property, and be enterprising. Right. But it's that uh, freedom is not automatic or guaranteed. Yeah, uh, we live in a dangerous world, and there are lots of people who would be happy to take your freedom at the drop of a hat if they thought they could get away with it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it is not the case that just because uh, our parents were free, that we'll be free, or that we're free, therefore our children will be free. It has to be uh, defended, protected. Uh, People have to speak truth to power. Uh, most of the people who have ever lived on this planet, in fact, have not had freedom. Right. So there's nothing about it that's automatic or guaranteed. I would say probably a very small percentage of the people on the planet that ever lived, uh, lived in a free society or could live, uh, had the freedoms that we're experiencing today. Yeah, I think so. It's a single-digit percentage. Yeah. Most people have uh, either been slaves or serfs, uh, or at least they um, uh, had to live in fear of the people with political power who could do what they wanted at the drop of a hat. Yeah, I mean, uh, President Reagan said that you know, freedom is uh, one generation from, or one generation away from losing freedom. It can be voted away. That's right, and uh, people have done that all the time. Uh, there's something about the vote that everybody, see, or many people, seem to think that it's um, uh, a guarantor of freedom, but you know you can vote for some pretty rotten people who will then take your freedom away. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't forget that people like Adolf Hitler were actually elected. So just as fully and powerfully as an invading army, 
uh, you can wipe freedom out by what and who you vote for. Absolutely. And one of the most important things about freedoms produces unequal outcomes. It just we're, we're all created equal, but that doesn't necessarily, when we go to work, when we create, when we do the things that we can do with our lives, that we're going to have equal outcomes. No, that's right. I mean, there should be equality before the law, uh, but that's very different from equality in an economic or material sense. We're different in terms of the talents we possess, the willingness to work that we have, our savings versus uh, uh, our consumption, uh, talents, uh, or I did mention talents, I guess, our work ethic, our ambitions, behavior, you name it. Uh, so all those things combine to make us very unique, and you cannot expect different people to all generate the same incomes in the marketplace, irrespective of their contributions to that marketplace. No, and it's so frustrating to listen to some conversations. Well, the premise of the conversation is, how do we make things more equal? <laughs> And yeah. basically, it's a discussion about how do we take your freedoms and, and uh, your abilities to do what you want to do. We, you know, we want to extract whatever you've got in order to try and equal things out. It just it doesn't end well. No, that discussion of how do we make things equal is really a discussion about how do we drag the successful down instead of how do we pull ourselves up. It's a discussion about how to take the pie and divvy it up differently instead of baking a bigger one. And the more you focus on simply uh, redistribution, mm -hmm. the, the less likely uh, you will be in a society that actually produces the wealth that is being redistributed uh, uh, later. Uh, such an important point. Final point I'd like to end with, we're not covering everything in your column, which is just really terrific, but freedom without character is doomed to fail. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, I don't know of any nation uh, in history that ever lost its character and kept its freedoms. And by character, I mean such traits as honesty and humility and responsibility and courage and patience and gratitude, the things that really make a person uh, uh, one that you'd want to emulate, a, a good example for others. When people forget those things, when they become dishonest or immoral in some way or irresponsible, uh, it's not long before their freedoms go down the tube with it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And freedom is what makes life worth living. Yeah, absolutely. Can you imagine uh, life without it, without freedom? That means somebody else is telling you at every turn what to do, what you can and can't do. I mean, you wouldn't be living your life any longer. They would be living their life or their lives through you. It's mm, so true. Again, Jim McTagg. Excuse me, please. Larry Reed. I was looking at my next guest. Larry Reed is the president. <laughs> Tell Jim I said hi. <laughs> okay. Pres <laughs> president Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Fee.org. F-E-E.org is the website. Great discussion on the principles of freedom, Larry. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we will visit with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do 
you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders, joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598 3889, that's 598 3889, or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598 3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Get tickets now by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, as I mentioned before the break. He's former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's author of several books. His two latest are Shake the Money Tree, and I'm sorry, is Follow the Leader, and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, two great murder mysteries, just really fun reads, interesting reads, thrillers, uh, and located in Washington, D.C., which is where I grew up, so I appreciate that as well. Jim McTagg, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you, Bob. By the way, my catchphrase is, my life is murder, Yeah, <laughs> so, because I'm writing about murders, but uh, all our lives have become murder. I mean, I am so tired of reading about the election. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired of reading about COVID. Uh, it was such a pleasure yesterday to uh, go on NASA TV. You know, I streamed NASA TV and watched the blast off of four astronauts mm-hmm. uh, in the space on the top, top of Elon Musk's uh, rocket. Um, and I get excited at that last 10 seconds of countdown. I get as excited as I did when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I, w- I was recalling, you know, the Russians, I think it was 1957, launched Sputnik. Mm-hmm. And we came back a year later. It was January 31st, 1958. Mm-hmm. Talk about deadlines. Yeah. And, and we launched the Explorer 1 in the orbit. It was kind of our comeback and our the beginning of our um, of the space race and um, it was so exciting and uh, I've done research on that period and back in those days uh, before Elon Musk 
we had Werner von Braun and the U.S. Army in charge of our uh, rocket program. Mm -hmm. And and this is really interesting. Uh, the Army developed the Jupiter C, which it was really a, a, a ballistic missile, but they they uh, altered it for space uh, uh, transportation, and they produced that rocket in five years, wow. which was an incredible feat. It was like the Operation Warp Speed of the time. Um, well, I, I would make a comment here. I, I would say that probably that had a lot to do with Werner von Braun more than anything else. I mean, he was a brilliant, brilliant scientist and brought a lot to the table when it came to, uh, you know, making this kind of, building something like this. Uh, he was a reformed Nazi. Let's hope he was uh, reformed. He was uh, one of our captives from World War II. Yeah. You know, the Russians, the Russians captured German rocket scientists, and they were the backbone of the Russian uh, space project. And, and we had our German scientists, the leading one being Werner uh, von Braun, uh, who actually lived where I do in Alexandria, Virginia? Oh, no kidding. I walk down. I walk by his house uh, all the time. The current resident, a, a nice lady, tells me that uh, Werner von Braun in the summertime would have cocktail parties in her court, where her courtyard is now. So, uh, so I feel that the connection. Yeah. But the um, uh, it's it, it's really a great story because we had a national purpose. And and before Kennedy announced the uh, uh, the moon program, uh, there was a, there was an army general named uh, Arthur Trudeau. He was the hero of Pork Chop Hill mm. during the Korean War. Huh. He was later appointed head of army intelligence, and he was convinced that the uh, German intelligence agency had been uh, totally um, compromised by the Russians, and uh, the Dulles brothers. Uh, uh, in Washington thought that Trudeau, first of all, was nutty, and second of all, that uh, they wanted to silence him. So he was kicked out of Army intelligence and put in charge of uh, the Army Research and Development Program. Um, so he got in 1958, so he was at the start of the space program. Wow. He came up with a plan. Uh, he was virulently anti-communist. And uh, he came up with a plan to build a, a military base on the moon. And it was possible. He said it was possible by, uh, I think it was 1963, yep. for, for us to launch 12 missiles to the moon from various places on the Earth and actually build an army base. And um, civilian planners were against the militarization of space. They thought that... Uh, uh, the Russians hadn't thought about militarizing space, and if we uh, went ahead and did that, well, then the Russians would follow, which was completely ridiculous. Yeah. So, th but the point is, they took the program, the space program, away from the U.S. Army and gave it to NASA, and um, and the rest is history. Yeah. Um, it's such an interesting the, story. Uh, I mean, the, the uh, uh, we are just lamenting with my previous guest, Mark Schulman, about the fact that the. Nothing really happened there for about 25 years. It was really a shame. And one of my regular guests on the show is a guy by the name uh, Dr. Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. And you can imagine the role that he played in the development of the space program. But to your point initially is that it is so, first of all, uh, Elon Musk is a real visionary, and what he's created is just unbelievable. Second of all, to see this program be reengaged and also to be using 
private enterprise, it's a public-private partnership, uh, is just really exciting as well. And, and the other thing from an ethical point of view, I'm on an, uh, a business uh, school's uh, uh, ethics advisory board. Um, when you have a corporation that puts an emphasis on speed, uh, there's always a, the possibility that you uh, are encouraging employees, not, not realizing it, but encouraging employees to take shortcuts, right. which can put lives into danger. Uh, Elon Musk has put uh, a premium on time, but uh, we haven't seen uh, any evidence of shortcuts that, that endanger uh, the mission. It, we've just seen uh, brilliant science. Oh, yeah. Now, so he, he, you, you can tell that he is a visionary and he is, he's focused on positive results, not on speed. I mean, he's not going to compromise what he wants. What he wants, the end result is to have a, a perfect launch and to be able to achieve success in these programs. I, it's, I, you know, it's just amazing what people can do and given the opportunity and freedom to create. Well, you know, and he is a rocket scientist. He has degrees in engineering. He's a pilot. He, in South Africa, he used to fly a MiG. Um, he, uh, people who talk to him know, say that he can intelligently discuss the physics of every nut and bolt in his rocket. Wow. Um, now, on the other side of the coin, we have another private space program. Uh, Jeff Bezos has something called the Blue Origin. Uh, Bezos is the billionaire that runs uh, Amazon. Right. He takes the opposite approach. He takes a very slow methodical approach and his rocket so far has gotten 500 feet off the ground and I, i'm not i'm not uh, dismissing his approach someday yeah. he will produce a rocket and it will be interesting to see whose approach produced the superior technology well the interesting thing is that instead of having a program a government program now we've got some competition we've got two uh, entrepreneurs who are trying to build a successful program and it's kind of like you know, t this morning, the big announcement on the, uh, on the vaccines, just really positive about Moderna having 94.5% success. And there's hundreds, well, there's uh, over 100 uh, producers out there that are trying to get, get this part of the market and to uh, end up winning the, the uh, race for producing a vaccine that's effective and efficacious. So it's just really... It's phenomenal. Uh, yeah. It, it, it is phenomenal. I don't know if you noticed that the, uh, the, the futures are way up right now. Well, you know, and there's more good news coming in January, I understand. I, I've heard uh, from people who know uh, more than I do that Johnson & Johnson's vaccine uh, will be ready by January, and that's a single-dose vaccine. So um, we will have uh, not one vaccine, but, but we will have a capitalist um, marketplace for vaccines, yeah. uh, which is phenomenal. I mean, other countries are, are, are trying to produce one vaccine, and it's a great national effort and we're going to produce uh, five at least five vaccines. I, so, I must uh, I take a step back and thank President Donald Trump for pulling together this uh, uh, warp speed what well, I guess may call it mission warp speed I forgot the first word that he used but irrespective I mean this is this is a first in the history of mankind quite frankly what he's pulled off here uh, by by orche orchestrating this thing. No it is phenomenal um, owing to his uh, very dismal powers of uh, public relations. He he's not getting the uh, credit he deserves. I, you know, again, I fault 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 him for for um, his tweets. 
Twitter is the worst thing that ever happened to President Donald Trump because this was uh, quite an accomplishment. And, uh, you know, Biden's going to step in and take credit for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> another, a whole other interview, and we don't have time for it, Jim. So <laughs> I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen and Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Always appreciate your feedback on the show. You can send me an email at bobhardenathotmail.com. If you'd like to be on the newsletter, distribution of the newsletter that I send out after each show, bobhardenathotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.